0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This This. This is Is AV AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
1: This is AV AV Week, episode 103, recorded Friday, August 9th, 2013. Free wireless.
0: Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing. Scan. A.V. Online.
1: This is A.V. Week.
2: A.V. A.V. Week.
1: It's time for A.V. Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host... And this week, it's not because I'm the only person who showed up. I have guests in studio. It's crazy. Uh, first is my good friend. Uh, his name is Ben Shipman. He's an independent rep for a ton of very high-quality uh, AV companies. Um, he has his own company, though, and it's that's how the whole independent rep thing works. How are you, sir? Well, how are you? Good. Good. Also with us uh, is Ken Bleacher. Ken is the executive vice president for uh, PowerSoft. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. I learned a whole lot about uh, amplifiers today, guys, so I feel smarter. Uh, On the other end of the Skype universe, uh, they're both in the Eastern Time Zone, so they're one hour ahead of us uh, in the universe. John Huntington, the professor of entertainment technology, he also wrote a book, (laughs) Show Networks and Control Systems. How are you, Mr. Huntington?
0: Good. Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And last but not least, uh, my twin brother. His name is Harry Mead, the lead engineer at CCS Presentation Systems um, in Atlantic hello hello how was you harry's harry and actually harry and dawn mead uh are part of uh a very nice musical uh entourage who did an international festival last weekend how was it wet <laughs> okay they went to canada so
2: we went to canada for north american pipe band championships and uh only five minutes of downpour happened during our run seriously yes yeah. So that video that you saw online, yes, that was the only rain that happened all friggin' day. Yes, I'm I'm not there.
1: No. So I take it you guys didn't win. Yeah. No. Okay. Sorry. Don't mean to bring up nasty.
2: Yeah, it's just a that's gap a little bit for some love. <laughs> <just about that. laughs>
1: sorry. All right. This week we're going to talk about uh, a couple actually events coming up. Uh, one's called the AV Executive Conference. Another is a little show in Denver called CEDIA. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, a nice blog post from Commercial Integrator uh, giving uh, at least Harry and a couple of the guys in the room uh, the, the confidence that the customer is not always right. And a congressperson actually doing something nice for the AV industry. Uh, I'll leave that as a tease. But first, uh, this past week there was something called a hacker fest. It's actually Black Hat and, De- and DEF CON where a bunch of people much smarter than me when it comes to computers Uh, Well, they go in and they try to hack systems. They try to break systems. They try to, you know, take control of certain things. One of the most interesting things, and this story comes from CNN, was the fact that they start breaking into homes, smart homes specifically. Uh, Harry, we'll we'll kick this off with you. Uh, How big of a deal is this that the largest hacker con um, in the world is now starting to break into people's smart homes?
2: Well... I was going to say, to be fair, they didn't break into anyone's homes at the con. They broke into a demo setup that showed what could be done if you weren't, (laughs) if you had it set up incorrectly. (laughs) Um, But it's as criminal. It depends. You've got uh, you've got uh, the intelligent hacker type criminals, and you've got the smash a window and grab a tv off the wall type criminals so if if hackers wanted to uh wanted to steal something from you the more connected you are the more connected they are
1: well that's that's valid john you you've got uh, you've written the book on uh on control systems uh how do we how do we lock these things down i mean harry's right if you if you do something stupid and leave your password as password or one two three four. I mean, that's that's just asking for trouble.
2: But you know, even it's the same combination I have in my luggage. I know in Canada it's <laughs> sixteen A's. Is it uh...
1: sixteen? <laughs> <laughs> that's Canada, and they're just they're just a whole nother kind of special. Uh, and look at that. Four minutes in, and we've already you know insulted Canada. Uh, <laughs> John, you have written the book on uncontrolled uh, systems. It, it, besides the fact of honestly trying to lock down your stuff and use intelligent passwords. What else can we do to safeguard these things?
0: Well, and I, I should say the the book, the the areas that I work in are more on shows. I've, I've done some things in residential settings, but I usually uh, just personally stay away from those areas. But I think I actually have it uh, just because security is such a large topic that I, in the book I just have a, like one chapter on basic security principles. And I think it's pretty much common sense stuff. Like you said, change the default password. I mean, that's most of the thing that, that – that you would have an issue with. And, you know, if there's no reason to put something online, then don't put it online. But I think you have to look at in the big picture, um, you know, who are, who's, uh, and I should also say, I go to, we have a hacker conference every two years here in New York called the Hackers on Planet Earth, and I actually spoke at the last two of them. Uh, And it's, it's really interesting, like we had William Binney there from the NSA Last summer laying out all that stuff that's come out under Snowden and I'm like why is everybody surprised about this it's all and it's all online you can go uh, look at that it's pretty interesting stuff but I think there's two things one is just common sense stuff uh, I think the you can it well but then I to take a step back even further than that is who's who's the attacker like why would somebody want to mess with you and what are they going to be able to do so I think you have to think about that first if you're a bank you know obviously there's a uh, a big thing. Sorry, my little headset just fell off my head. If, if, you're a, if you're a bank, obviously you're a real target because they can get something out of you electronically. But if you're a house and you're uh, you, I, I have, actually have a Nest thermostat, if somebody really wanted to run my heat up, I, I mean, it would be annoying if some I pissed off teenager from next door, <laughs> right, to, right. you know, <laughs> want to do it. But I don't know that I, I'm not that worried about it. You know, and I have a password. Turn all it's, your lights
3: on and, yeah. heat up, and open the garage door.
1: Well, that's, a, that, that's the thing, Ken, right. is, is, you know, PowerSoft is a amplifier manufacturer. You and I were talking at lunch. That you guys have control system. You have a, a, a DSP built in. You can be connected to the World Wide Web. Right. Are you guys or should, should manufacturers in general, not just you guys, but should man- manufacturers in general be worried about it?
3: Uh, there is only so much you can do. So the, authentic- uh, the authentication process um, with encryption so that only certain machines can talk to your control system, I would think would make a lot of sense uh, for anybody trying to prevent hacking. So, and I've, we've had it required on several projects that I've worked on in the past uh, and where and people are concerned that, oh, somebody can just, just load our software and... Plug into the network and you know somewhat get the password and shut all the audio down in a hotel, conference center, or you know convention center. Yeah. So, so then, that, then it, that whole authentication with encryption comes in from
0: machine to hardware. Go ahead, John. Well, I was just saying, is there a reason? Uh, maybe you might have just answered it, but why does a system like that? I mean, I, I, no, I shouldn't say why, but I guess the question to ask is, does a system like that need to be on the internet at all? Because then, obviously, and there's in that same article they talk about people taking uh, taking over, um, you know, electronic cars and stuff. But they first had to get into the car and attach to the uh, diagnostic system. So it's like same thing with that. If there, if you don't, my one of my you know rules in my chapters, if there's no reason for the thing to be on the internet, then don't put it on the internet. Yeah. Well, in this case,
3: this was just. Like an ex-employee or or somebody or just a sound guy who wanted to play a trick. Yeah. So that was on the property tied into the land. Oh, internal. So it wasn't necessarily over the internet. Well,
1: and I can see a use case where, you know, um, we were talking earlier about uh, a giant Crestron system that was one of the first Crestron systems that that was controlled over a a county-wide area. Um, there's a use case for that. I mean, there's a use case for giving the executive engineer of of a of a venue the ability to you know lock things down remotely and this that and the other. Um, and you have to be somewhat connected to
3: the yeah. internet for
2: that. Yeah, yeah you do. Know. Uh, the, the the thing that uh, concern concerns me a little bit. The uh, I I agree with John. It used to be that we don't didn't really worry about it because it was oh you can turn the projector off oh big deal um but now infocom 100 and a lot of these things especially at the shows are talking about full building control in commercial buildings where you're integrating the security and the hvac and the energy management and everything through a control system that's monitored and as soon as you do that, you've now taken all of those disparate systems and given a single access point to go in and I'm gonna turn off the security system and now I can go in and do whatever I want in the building on the weekend. So that well, yeah, that's it, where that's the concern that I have.
1: It's it's a nice it's a nice premise to any one of a n of a half dozen heist movies that <laughs> that has been taking yeah. place in Hollywood of the last ten years, so
0: but I would say, because I, I think the there's an issue of scale here too, because if you're just doing, uh, for example, we do a big haunted house every fall and that mm-hmm. system, there's, everything's on a, a you know, big VLAN system, but it's not connected to the internet at all. So we don't, we eliminate a lot of the concerns by that. But obviously, if you're talking about building automation, now you really, you need to consult experts at that point, and um you know, and and really take that seriously, and then you need people with all the specialties in those areas. see so I think the biggest thing is, you know, just to to it's, these articles are good in some way. I think they get alarmists, but I think it's uh, it's good to make people aware of this stuff. But it, I think you know, just just think about it. Would be my advice, and then mm-hmm. figure out what you really need to do.
1: Mr. Shipman, how big of a deal is it that uh, people can start tapping into AV systems and and possibly breaking into them?
4: Well, the the problem isn't with, uh, it's a big deal, obviously, because students, it's not just the hackers or the super hackers or the people that go to the hacking conventions. It's the 14-year-old kid with a cell phone that can walk in the room or he can uh, look up the projector and uh, download the um, parameters to have his new Samsung S4 um, turn on and off and change channels on TVs and all that stuff. So that interferes with the workflow and stuff. But then also, it's the challenge of it, and so many times, as you say, they don't lock down the password, or they put the password on a label on the bottom of the access point. Yeah. <laughs> Are they, you know, I mean, how many production and rental touring companies run around in every single access, you pull an access point out of the drawer, out of the road rack, yeah. set it on top, and, and underneath it is a piece of gaffer's tape with... You know, uh, Sharpie writing out the uh, the IP address and the password and the username. Yep. So it doesn't take rocket science or even your ha- smart hackers. It's the dumb <laughs> hackers that are the biggest threat because they they don't even know right. what they're doing.
1: Well, it's the dumb hackers and the dumb tech that. Yeah. <laughs> that did the, that.
4: Uh, but all AV systems, professional AV systems, we try to isolate from each other. You know, try to audio is only its audio network. Lighting is only a lighting network. Only, and we nobody can play with anybody else's stuff we just put a digital console in a performing arts center and the contractor said oh we want to tie all these things together so that the Crestron can turn on the console and do mm-hmm. all these other things and that's great except for when they turn on the video projector it the console didn't like the command that it sent to tell to turn on the video projector we said keep the console on its own network so you have to be careful because some commands for some things do other things to other things so with Telnet commands you have to be a little bit careful how the control control language What's one ling- one word to one machine is a different word to another machine. I'm
1: just wondering why it bled over when they when they, they, they sent that. Yeah,
4: well, they were just. Uh, I mean, it was it was something that it, it was had land attached to the LAN port, and it's huh. only supposed to be used for remote control of the console, not for you know from another PC running the software. So it was just. Uh, hmm. may have been a strange coincidence but I think it was when he turned on the console something when he turned on the projector Projector. something happened to the console the
3: whole ABB Dante thing the the video and the audio are gonna be on that same cable yeah no avoiding so and control and control yeah yeah Hopefully
0: they will get the commands right. <laughs> just don't but, you, just don't use C E C and we'll be all right. So well, and one thing I think with that is that a lot of this stuff is so new to our industry that people have uh ported over, you know, old ancient serial protocols and just stuffed them into UDP yes. packets and stuff. I right. kind of think when they get beyond that, because if you like we were just talking about the console, uh, I'm not I haven't messed with Digicode, so I don't know how they do it, but um, you know, If these uh, commands are targeted to an IP address, then it should have no effect on, you might have uh, some traffic issues, and you can always solve that with a VLAN or whatever, but there's no way that a command that was sent to a specific IP address should affect something at another IP address unless there's some really poor design in one of the products there. So.
1: Or, or or the or, or the uh, the programmer screwed something up, John. Right. So, well, driving.
4: it wasn't an IP addressable port. It was a it was a remote control port. So it was now. like a two thirty two.
1: It wasn't. It uh, wasn't. Uh, well, anyway, it was yeah, yeah. control <laughs> port. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. But All right.
0: Still needs IP address though.
1: So. From avinteractive.com, Pioneer is entering the pro audio market with a club sound system package. And the entire time I read this article, the night at the Roxbury theme song kept going through my head. <laughs> thump, 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 thump. Uh, actually, we're gonna start with Ken, with Ken on this because his company made the amplifiers. Um, you, you, Ken, you work for PowerSoft. Uh, we were talking beforehand that uh, PowerSoft is actually the amplifier behind this product. That is correct. Um,
3: we were approached a couple of years. Uh, PowerSoft's based in Italy, so technically they were approached in Italy a couple of years ago. By the people from Pioneer who decided they wanted to enter the high-end club market or EDM market or however you want to I'll focus let's just say on club market with the big club market. Yeah. and I guess they randomly visited clubs all around the world, and they focused in on one club in New York, which I don't remember the name, uh, uh, unfortunately. Um, but we could get that name nice. uh, and, uh, and it turns out that the speakers were designed by a Gary Stewart mm-hmm. uh, who was used to be based in New York and went to Vegas and Gary Stewart used PowerSoft amplifiers in that particular club so they basically tried to use his design on the speakers and Gary insisted on using our, our power amplifiers because the high slew rate and the different things that we in our products, made it sound good. So so we entered a, a partner agreement with Pioneer. They wanted us to make Pioneer-branded amplifiers. We would not do such. Uh, we told them we'll enter an agreement where you can distribute the amps with your speakers in a package yeah. only. Um, and uh, here's some select models, and let's see how this goes. And they just opened the first club in Ibiza about a month ago. That's when the press release yeah. hit. Um, I mean, that's one side
1: of it from my perspective. Well, from, from the PowerSoft side, I was, right, obviously right. the Pioneer guys would have something different. Right,
3: but. but I mean, from my personal side of this, I've been in the audio business 30 years. Um, I think it's a little scary. Um, the Balooz thing, getting back into the pro audio business is a little scary. Yeah. What Harman has been doing, to me, has been a little bit scary. I mean, everybody's saying we are the giants, and we're going to use our brand name, regardless if the components are good. I'm not saying...
1: They are aren't, but yeah,
3: are aren't. But it, it's just this branding image that you know, Bose can walk into this huge stadium in South America for the world cup. And, and, Oh, it's Bose. Well, they don't know which Bose. <laughs> it's, not saying it's wave radios, but <laughs> it's, it's the Bose stick systems. <laughs> but, but, it, but when they get so big and now pioneers sort of leveraging this, yeah. this big thing for, I mean, they've been in the front end of the club market, you know, the mixers mm-hmm. and the DJ stuff yeah. and the hands on stuff. Now they want to create the whole system. And, um, uh, I mean, I think PowerSoft amplifiers are great. Uh, they fit well into this, and it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting evolution. Yeah. Um, I asked other people in the club market because PowerSoft tied in the AW quite a bit. We work with Fulcrum, and they're both pretty heavy in the club market. We supply OEM product to Martin, who's in the club market. Martin Audio, not yeah. not, not, the, not lighting. the lighting. So it's a uh, uh, it, it's very interesting. I mean. There isn't many companies from out of the US that have done really well in the US in the speaker world. There is a few. Um, In the club market, I would say Function One is probably the the most successful that people thought would never happen. So Pioneer's now got a name and they've got some products and they they say they want to continue and
1: make more products. So this is just the beginning, I think. One question I have. For you, real quick, and, and if it, you can, you can not answer this if you don't want. You, 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 guys, PowerSoft does OEM other people to to other companies. Is there a reason that you wouldn't necessarily OEM to to? Buy uh, your- uh
3: there's only two companies. We make rack amp. We, we, uh, PowerSoft has two worlds: rack amplifiers and modules. We make modules for almost every loudspeaker manufacturer in the high end of the market. In uh, the rack amps, we oh. only supply. OEM product branded with their name on it for two companies, uh, it's Outline and, and Martin. Mm-hmm. And the agreements were done probably over eight years ago. And uh, we've had a recent pact that we do not want to dual brand our products because it hurts the brand. Yeah. You could either have a strong OEM brand or you could have a strong PowerSoft brand. So so when anybody approaches us, it's it's extremely rare or you know we'll try to discourage them yeah
1: just to use our standard product okay. no it's it's, it's, right. it's a it's a good response uh, harry how uh, how excited are we that that pioneers getting into the club market <clears throat> yay
2: oh,
0: she's never mind john <laughs> um, i'm just uh, I, I don't know i'm reading this thing it's kind of interesting cuz they're talking about the multi-fold hyperbolic horn subwoofer and i'm just kind of wondering what all the point of all those horn loading is at that uh, free, at that wavelength. Those things are pretty omnidirectional. So maybe it's just cabinet loading or something. Uh, so it's, these specs are always hilarious for the club market. So they have omnidirectional tweeter too, which is always, meaning that it's like a little pod with four very directional tweeters on it, but it's kind of hilarious. I love the look the at the actual polar pattern of this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's very interesting, yeah. I mean that's but for club you know, that's what they the whole deal is for that kind of music is well, they it, just want a whole lot of bass and then they, thump, they thump, love thump. these
3: in and in the, the lenses
0: the lenses on the Pioneer
3: box, nothing bad about Pioneer, is that they uh they look like the old JBL lenses from the 70s. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that? So and then curiously enough, Ben pulled up just now that the designer of the speakers uh passed away shortly after the agreement so oh that's that's yeah bad. september but of o- 2012 so they're still using
0: uh the name and ah, his wife
3: carried it on and they have a long-term partnership right. agreement
0: so. i think i met him years ago at something here in the city i, I uh, but yeah but that club sound is really a separate world in a lot of ways i mean lots of manufacturers have product that works in it but the uh if it's not uh i would say you know Precision and quality, or high high sound quality, is not always high on the list. It's often looks and a whole lot of. They love seeing those little hanging tweeter balls that just like <laughs> blow your head off at eight kilohertz, and uh, and then right. they just want to be vibrated a lot. So it is a different but market but from there. Yeah, the people love it. That's cool. So. Yeah, my my only thing was,
2: we had Pioneer, who had the arguably some of the best displays. Not arguably yeah. the best plasma ever. Yes. Yeah. See, I was I was I was being, I was being circumspect. Anyway. Okay. Arguably some of the best displays, but nah, but they said, nah, we don't want to do that. We're gonna do club speakers. It just <laughs> That's why I'm kinda of meh
1: about meh. it. Because you think in five years I'll get bored with this and <laughs> move on and say, eh. We're done with this. I We're done with this. Let's do. Let's do. L E D. Ten years oh, after everybody else did. Ma- Pioneer
3: still have a video division or they, no? They stopped.
1: They. I mean, they. After was the plasma. CES two years ago, two or three years ago, it was like this big announcement. We're stopping pl- plasmas. That's it. This is not. And that was the year that they had the. How did uh, how did CNN put it? The blackest black they've ever not seen.
2: No. <laughs> so.
1: There you go. Uh, you have anything for this, Mister Ben? No. No. Okay. Good. Because the next story is all yours. Well, we'll, we'll start it with you. Um, we have a congressperson from the state of Illinois that I think all of us can actually rally around. Uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, representative of a Democrat from Illinois, has introduced a bill uh, to protect uh, wireless microphone users. Uh, he says that he uh, his, his bill is uh, is because he's trying to outline his concern for the ability of these venues to continue, quote, providing high-quality professional audio for their activities and events. Mr. Shipman, it should, first of all, how important is it for the government to step in at this time when we're selling off different spectrums to say, let's carve out this area here for, for wireless microphones?
4: Well, just because they carve it out today doesn't mean they won't well, hack it up tomorrow. Well, come on, they're trying. Somebody's the trying. Ahead. One congressman is trying. Well, I think it's up to the FCC, and uh, I don't know that. I mean, it, that's they're going to do what they're going to do. Unfortunately, I think it's a great, novel, wonderful idea, but um, it, it, I don't know that it'll go very far. I, I, don't, I think they're just going to s- defer back to the FCC to control and regulate it, and it depends who's in charge.
1: Well, I mean, Congress does have some some power over the FCC. I mean, they're, they're the ones who passed the law that said, you know, we're moving from analog to digital in television realm. Yeah. And so they do have some say-so. So this could legitimately have some legs. Uh,
4: I think it could legitimately. Unfortunately, I'm more, <laughs> I, w- I wish they would do more important things like pass a budget than worry about FCC, you know, than restricting the wireless microphone frequencies. Uh, I, I agree here, with you. I here. think it's a great idea. <laughs> I think they get their fingers into Way too many things they shouldn't right. be messing with. Like, I said I wasn't going to get political. And I know, dog tags and things like that. I mean, it's not what the Congress is supposed to be doing. It's what the FCC is supposed to be doing, frankly.
1: So do you think the FCC should, should mark off an area that's untouchable except for wireless?
4: Well, I thought they already did.
1: Well, they, they, but they sold that one. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> they sold that one.
4: Yeah, they did. The and well, team. things will continue it to evolve, evolve. <laughs> How, if the FCC put it this way. Do you regret the fact that 150 megahertz isn't still being used, or 179, was it? Yeah. Uh, you help me, John. What were the frequencies? It was one, you, know, you oh, remember I've, the VHF wireless? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Mean, I remember was, that. That's all we cared about. Back when I was selling HME wireless mics 30 years ago, um, we just cared about what was in that range. And the that's only thing we worried exactly. about was public safety in the rural towns and stuff. But, um, I mean, we're if we said partition this band for wireless microphones and make it safe for eternity and uh, they say, okay, where's your 179 megahertz wirelesses now? Uh, We'd say, well, we don't really need it anymore. (laughs) Go ahead and and give us this band now. I mean, right now uh, we're representing a manufacturer that has uh, Digital wireless, and it's uh, out of the current set-aside wireless microphone frequency range. So, as far as I'm concerned, open it up and let everybody jump into the wireless, <laughs> current Jeez. wireless band, because <laughs> I've got one of the few systems that'll work. Here. You're mean. <laughs> I'm sorry for being self-serving in that comment, <laughs> but the reality is ch- things change, and, and you don't know where it's going to be tomorrow, and just, it's not really their position.
1: Just out of curiosity, who is it?
4: Uh, the Line 6 product.
1: Okay. I did. I didn't. I had never yeah. heard of that, so... Uh, Mr. Huntington, uh, not to get political, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I'm trying not to, but it's a congressman and it's a bill. So uh, should should has been right. Should they even be messing with stuff like this or should they live it up to the FCC?
0: Uh, well, it's, I'm, I'm uh, frantically Googling here, but I looked up the <laughs> uh, uh, Bobby Rush's congressional district and it goes from Chicago Southwest down into um I don't know, it's your neighborhood I know uh, near Joliet and all that. I believe that yeah, yeah. Shure is in that area. Yeah, exactly. So. That's where I was going <laughs> to go with mm-hmm. this. Yeah,
3: it's, it's interesting that the article says Shure applauds yeah. Congressman, and right. he's in their district. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, that I think, has
1: nothing to do with it, yet. <laughs>
3: <yeah>. <laughs> But I, think, I, I was born uh, a block away from the uh, original Shure factory. Oh, wow. So okay. I sort of kept touch on Shure, but, I, again, I'm more of an amplifier guy. So, Shure. Yes, but yeah, you need so microphones it, for amplifiers to have anything to do.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I do ahead. think
0: the wireless stuff we ignored for a long time and, and just ran sort of, uh, it was, I don't know, mostly legal, but I mean, it was, they we were never had any organization about it. So when all of a sudden, when it all gets choked off. I mean, and at my school, we had to upgrade everything off of, uh, was a 700 megahertz that closed uh-huh. down, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. And that's hard for small organizations. There's nothing wrong with the mics that we uh, we, we had to change out. Um, but I think something, I, somebody, they have to carve out some space. I don't have, Nobody has to do anything, but I think it would be good if they, someone, whatever the mechanism, carved out some space. And there was recently, I'm just looking here on Playbill.com, from July 29th, a whole bunch of... Uh, Broadway people went down to the house office building, uh, in DC and, uh, yeah, same guy, Bobby Rush. And, uh, and along with, I think it was the NFL and some other people, uh, like I said, I've been on vacation a lot, so I haven't been paying close attention, but the, um, uh, and really said, Hey, you know, we can't run this in here in New York, Broadway shows an enormous business. And if we can't, you know, run, you know, hundreds of wire channels of wireless in close proximity, you can't really do these shows anymore, and then of course you can't do the Super Bowl, and you can't do film production, and all that it goes on and on and on. So it's a big mess. But uh, I'm hoping they'll they'll stop changing And I guess they they had a decent plan, I think, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we're going to sell the spectrum off, and so. But somebody, and I, uh, Henry Cohen would be a great guy to have hmm. on for this. I don't know if you know Henry, but. Hmm. Um, He's a guy here in New York that does a lot of wireless coordination uh, for shows and all kinds of things. And I believe he's involved with, uh, he he, works for, he has a company that does this stuff too. But he's like the guy that we all turn to when you have a question about this because it's so complicated. But it may have been him or somebody else was saying that, you know, the FCC was pretty surprised because there were so many wireless mics out that uh, when all of a sudden we started saying, hey, what about us, there's, you know, two million channels of wireless in the country, or whatever the number is, they were like, "What?" Because they, you know, it wasn't licensed; it didn't need to be licensed. Mm-hmm. So I think the more anything that happens to raise our, you know, public visibility as an industry, and make sure these people know that that this is really a you know critical technology for us, I think it's good.
4: Well, you hit your nail on the head. The head nail on the head, obviously. There's no revenue associated with the, all the uh, all the wireless systems that are out there, and and if the FCC saw any kind of licensing or any registration or any, uh, any, any tag, any, any permits or anything required, if they saw anything coming from them, then they would see the amount of users and the revenue, and it would be an important factor to them. Right. The fact that it's, they can sell bandwidth and they're giving it to us is, uh, is the biggest problem, I think.
1: Okay, so here's a crazy question that, that I'll get killed for. Should we start registering?
4: Well, if we did, then we'd have a lot stronger voice. I'm
1: just, yeah. I'm just putting that out there. I mean, I'm not saying that you know we should charge, we should be paying a thousand dollars a license, but $10, 15 ten, fifteen, twenty bucks, a hundred bucks a license. I mean, I've got off the top of my head twenty wireless systems on on our campus at at our college. We, you know, and and if we paid two thousand dollars to guarantee that those work, absolutely, we would do it.
0: Well, and there is some, and again, it's so complicated. You should ask Henry or one of the other experts on it. Somebody from short can answer a question too, but there was some uh, white space registration for that, but mm-hmm, not everybody yeah. needed to do it because the, the licensing, uh, and it's funny because I used to work at the Metron Opera and uh, long before I was there, I guess it was in the 70s or something, like they were using a few wireless microphones, never on a singer. I mean, now they use <laughs> it for all the HD broadcasts, but never amplifying. But they went on tour and went to Wolf Trap right in DC, and they actually got complaints and ended up getting fined because they were using these uh, uh, mics without a license. So the problem is that in a fixed installation, that, that's a great works well, but on tour, even like here in New York on Broadway, you, know, you open the show this week, you got 45 channels of wireless uh, in this building, and then next week the show closes, or it either runs for 10 years or it closes in two months. And now you have to, uh, you know, re re uh, configure the entire thing. So it's it's a really complicated problem. Yeah.
1: Harry, you haven't spoke much about this, and probably because it's a political issue too. Um, is this is this a nice thing for for uh, Congressman? Uh, sure. I mean, Congressman Rush
2: to
4: do. <laughs> Congressman, sure. <Short. laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I think we do need to trying to stay as apolitical as possible. I know you, you are. know me, Tim. I, know you are. Um, I think we do need to make sure that there is some oversight happening from Congress on this issue because otherwise the FCC will do whatever they want and that will probably not actually be in our favor No. <laughs> when, when that happens um, because they'll take... They, they won't take our needs into account at all if they take any tech needs into account but that's another story um, so I think yes it, 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 it's a very good thing for uh, for congressman rush to be doing this uh, to at least like uh, like I think John said to raise awareness with our with our industry and make sure that everything is uh, that. People know, hey. By the way, if you do this, you're not going to have these shows. You're not going to have the Super Bowl happening correctly. You're not. All this stuff requires a bunch of bandwidth that you guys keep wanting to get rid of and sell off and make money.
1: Okay. No, that that makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Um, and the the one thing I just to, to add to last thought about that is that Verizon and T Mobile and AT and T if we're competing head to head with them we're always going to lose so we kind of need some help in here because we can't there's no way that that uh we can afford to buy this you know to buy to competitively bid uh for the spectrum against those guys and i think mean, in the larger thing there's a value but not just in straight cash I i can't see how we could ever we're not going to come up with four billion dollars to buy you know some space
1: oh sure we are you know city of new york has that in their back oh yeah I know. that's right um you guys should hire wiener by the way uh, just, yeah <laughs> just because mayor wiener sounds an awful lot like a mcdonald's <laughs> yeah. character uh he's uh, already got a
2: hard enough job thanks. we don't need to hire wiener
1: all right uh you listen <laughs> to av week uh benjamin's here ken uh bleachers here from powersoft in studio with me john huntington and harry mead are on the far uh, west coast far east coast good lord far to east coast uh, real quickly, guys, uh, a couple more stories and then we'll let you go. First of all, is a blog post uh, from our fine friends over at Commercial Integrator. Newsflash, the customer is not always right. Uh, we're going to start this one with Harry because, uh, well, I guess he's the closest person to end users that we have. I mean, John and I are technically end users, but uh, Harry's the, the integrator in the group. Um, is the customer always right, Mr. Mead?
2: The customer rarely knows what they actually want.
1: Okay. (laughs) And how would you say that? Because I know what I want all the time.
2: When I'm out doing sales, when I have my sales hat on, what I try to do is I try to find out what, what they want to do, how they want to use a particular system, not what they think they need because, I mean, I'm coming at it from an engineer side, hmm? they usually have no idea what they actually need in order to get done what they want to do. They've seen something cool or something like that, and it's like, okay, well, how do you want to use the room? <laughs> how do you want to act? What, what, what are you going to try to do in this room when it's done? And that'll make us all happy, and if you just tell me what you want to do, I will make it happen. <laughs> um, I mean, you have to be nice when you talk to the customers but you have to gently steer them away from decisions that will negatively impact the future usability of the new space okay yeah, there you go there you go that very, was a, that very was, well put
1: yeah that was a nice political uh political <laughs> <laughs> answer ken uh you work with obviously mainly you know, integrators um,
3: well, I was an integrator for well, and you were an 25 integrator. years. So,
1: I mean, that's kind of your customer. Um, whether or not you're talking about the integrator or you're talking about guys like me and, and, and John or even down to, you know, the club owner. Right. How would you how would you deal with the question, is the customer always right?
3: Well, it depends, obviously, from what perspective you're looking at it. Uh, me as a manufacturer, the customer is the, usually the dealer, mm-hmm. um, and... Uh, and on occasion, the user, if there's some uh, uh, value-added features or things that might save them money in the future, even though it might cost them more to go ahead. But we've also seen that club owners you know, think our amplifiers are too fast. Uh, we heard last night from an integrator that uh, a customer didn't feel the system sounded right until they hear it, heard it distorting. So, <laughs> yeah uh, so and then know you, you know they would, could damage themselves and the system if they would just let it distort at the at the rate they designed it so they had to make it distort at a much lower level so they wouldn't turn it up to the point of actually destroying it. Holy cow. <laughs> Am I right? Oh, that's, yeah, I was going to say,
2: that is not a, uh, so an is it, uncommon thing so that happens in boardrooms and stuff. Too. Right.
3: So, so you know, it, I would say the statement, the customer is not always right technically. You know, they Sometimes they do know what they want. Whether it's correct technically, that might be another issue. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and that's that's a good answer too. Uh, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm pa- really passionate about audio in general. I've been doing it for a long time and systems since I was an integrator for a long time. And I have my own what you, expectation yeah. of quality and value and, you know, the whole combination, how it all fits together. And and uh, in complete opposite with part- a customer, whether yeah. it be a user or a dealer or, or something of that effect. So, I mean, you know, we can't compete with, you know, $300 amplifiers, uh, which are readily available in every music store. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can I say that that won't work? Yep.
1: No, it will work. It will amplify the sound. (laughs) That's right. That's
3: right. So are they wrong for choosing that product? Maybe sometimes, depending on the application. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, John, who is, uh, it depends on, on which, which end user or, it, or which customer we're talking about with you, but um, would, would your customers always be right or would they not always be right?
0: Um, I, and I forgot who said it already, but the, yeah, I still do a fair amount of consulting work and I do uh, some uh, big live shows here in the city. And uh, the, I find, uh, I, again, I forgot who said it earlier, but yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of educating the customer or the client about getting to what is it they really want and not necessarily, I actually, I did once, uh, I think I, yeah, I can say this because I won't tell you, but I, I do the this outdoor thing for the Tribeca Film Festival every year called the Drive-In and we have two, 3000 people out there. And the first year they did it, it was on a pier on the Hudson and it was just a total disaster for a variety of reasons. Um, but then they uh, had some guy who's a TV producer came in and told them that they needed circular speakers and that circular speakers would solve all the problems. Nice. So, what? <laughs> nice. Yeah, <that> was, <laughs> so, and it turns out I actually knew, I know who this guy is, and he's a friend of a former employer of mine. And most likely he saw some show where they had some speakers solve the problem and they were circular or whatever. But, so uh, this is, the customer thought they needed circular speakers and what they needed was just a, you know a reasonably well-designed system because the, and this was, like I said, 500 foot long pier, and they, the original vendor had done it with one big PA, you know, line array by the screen, and then tried to throw 500 feet to the back, which you can do, and for a rock show, nobody cares, but for film, uh, where you need to understand the words, I mean, that's a big problem, so in this case, um, so I had to sort of educate them about that, okay, well, I don't know what circular speakers are, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, and this is why, we're going to put these delays in, and this is going to do it for this reason because sound takes this long to travel, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think that's something I think you really have to educate them. But I did think one interesting thing the guy said in the article was that sometimes you uh, need to fire the customer, you know, because there are some people that are just unreasonable. And if you're just draining your company's finances, you're spending your own uh, you know, if you're doing a small consulting thing, if you're, if you're not making any money on it in the long run, then you need to get out somehow. So. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Mr. Shipman, Mr. Mister uh, AV rep. Is, yes, sir. Is the customer always right?
4: Well, a, different, a couple of different perspectives on that. First of all, unfortunately, these days, people don't know what they don't know. Um, MP3, if that's your reference, if you've only grown up, you know, if you're young enough that you only know lousy sound. You're only going to – your expectations are going to be a certain level, and you really don't know that there's anything better than uh, than the lowest quality, you know, offshore manufactured, you know, mixers or speakers or microphones or anything else. And, and, the, and the playback and everything else is based on a cell phone and earbuds. How do you know what good sound really is? The second thing is uh, – so that's kind of one thing is the changing, you know, reference. Uh, but the big thing um, that sticks in my mind after that one is um, – we did a loudspeaker demonstration in a cathedral in, in western Kansas, and it was very convincing to everybody. But one woman who was on the committee, and she was insistent that if the speaker sounded as good as they sounded from the front of the room, that rather than putting them in front of the columns and, and interfering with the uh, architecture, she would much rather see them in the very back of the room at the back doors. <laughs> <laughs> and why couldn't we do that? And she would not accept no for an answer. She said, well, I'd like to hear them back there, and I said, turn around. That's what they would sound like, you know, walk to the <laughs> other end of the room and turn yeah. around. They would yeah. sound just like that. But she didn't accept and could not be convinced that there was a reason not to put the speakers in the very back of the cathedral instead of the very front of the cathedral. So much for localization <laughs> there. Again, what do you do? Yeah. So that's, uh, that's you all You fire the customer. That's what you do. That's all I
1: have to say about that. But. <laughs> all right. Well, good night. Well, I got a couple things uh, things. These aren't really... You can comment on them if you would like. How about that? Uh, uh, Infocom has uh, a a, the, a new um, uh, event uh, for uh, executives this year. It's called the AV Executive Conference. It's September 10th and 12th at the Ritz-Carlton in Amelia Island, Florida. So, Ken, technically you're an executive, so you could go.
3: <laughs> I have been to uh, this event about 10 years ago in San Diego
1: yeah.
3: and held a, a wonderful roundtable with Lloyd Ivey together. Yeah. Uh, which is, that's the way to do it with Lloyd. Well, I guess you do, do it together. No. Um, <laughs> um, um, it's a unique event. Uh, I'm
1: sure it's changed over the 10 years. I have not gone. I don't plan to go this All year. Right. Well, if you, if you do want to go, go to infocom.org slash uh, A V E C. The other thing is uh, if you are um, going to CDA, go to the women in CE women in CE uh, event. Um, the key, uh, keynote speaker, uh for their breakfast uh if you want some more information on that check out the link on our website so uh uh it's it's a a, a similar uh, it, that witness. good lord i came and talk today um freaking see uh, cedia is the 28th uh the the breakfast the women in ce uh, event is the 28th of September uh in denver so uh gentlemen thank you so much for joining us uh with us uh, in studio is Mr. Ben Shipman uh from ABA uh thank you sir thank you where can people find you or get a hold of you or
4: through my dealers or my manufacturers. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice.
1: Uh, Ken Bleacher, thank you, sir, from from PowerSoft. You're welcome. How can people find out about you or PowerSoft? Uh, go to our website,
3: www.powersoft.it. Is the, the headquarters? Is that the Italian uh, 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 <coughs> end? Yes. IT? yes it's a worldwide site. Very That's good. We are a worldwide company. We're so
0: lucky.
1: All right. Uh, Mr. John Huntington, uh, thank you, sir, for joining us. Thank you. Where can people find you or, or more about you guys? Uh,
0: I, have a, I have a sporadically updated blog on uh, controlgeek.net. So sometimes I put things up five times in a week and then it goes a few weeks. But usually every couple of weeks I got something up there. So. Okay.
1: All right. And last but not least, Mr. Harry Mead. Thank you, sir.
2: Thank you for having me on. Um, Twitter is Mr. A.V. Dawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, website for the company is CCSprojects.com, national company, but I'm working out of the mid-Atlantic office. And Facebook is Harry Mead. There you go.
1: And if you if you if you hook up with Harry Mead on Facebook, you get to see him in a kilt. So nice. that's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, golfing? <laughs> no, playing. <laughs>
2: His, playing uh, drums and playing a drums Scottish and, bagpipe band. Yes. Oh, very uh, nice. And his, yeah. and his wife that is an
1: award-winning tenor drummer. Yes. I got it right? Holy crap, I got it right. I never get it right. Uh, tenor drummer. So, um, I was going
2: to say, that's what you said when you took CTSD. I,
1: oh. oh. Harry and I took the CTSD together on the same day. <laughs> He's a CTSD, and I am not. So I'm sorry. You yes, gave me the opening. I did. And I'm gonna i was going to let it go for no, the entire no, show. No, 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 <laughs> no. Are you are you a DMCE by the way yet? Not yet. So you've got it. I still got got that that on me for right
2: now. All right. For another month.
1: Okay, so there you go. So tell tell Kevin I said hey. Um, Hopefully he's your instructor. Uh, If you want to follow me, it's TD Tim David Albright uh, on Twitter. But more importantly for me, and all the fine folks here that make AV Nation what it is, go by the website if you would please avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You'll find this podcast, our education podcast, the Control Show. Uh, we have a new uh, AV Social, which is our social media and marketing show, hosted by the le- very lovely and talented and married to Harry Mead, Miss uh, Av Don Don Mead, uh, coming down the pike in the next week. We also have two, count them two, projector shows. One's about projectors in general. One is about Picos, uh, so that's coming down uh, this month sometime. So avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week.